Uh, Rufus, I'm, I'm excited that you did a playoff fantasy league. It's kind of like, you'll hear about it later, probably too much. People will pan us for that, but you do office pools at all. I have back the one year I worked in an office. <laughs> What's an office? Well, yeah. Splash Sports, who sponsors our podcast is reinventing office pools. Um, they're doing things like this one and done that we're going to talk about golf one and done. And we got to figure out what we want to do for our our own one and done when we do that or what stakes we want to do and maybe get our listeners involved. But anyways, they're, they're revolutionizing the way that office pools are done. You can go check them out at splashsports.com. You'll hear us talking a lot about the competitions that we're in. They have stuff going on for the NFL playoffs and stuff going on for golf and, and on and on. So go check them out. And with that, let's start the process. Bet, 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 bet the process. Bet, 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 bet the process. Welcome to the podcast. Bet the process. It's not that typical cookie cutter nonsense. If you came just for picks, you're in the wrong place. Find a talent with the narrative to make a strong case. Instead of blindly assuming a team must be tanking, we're looking for the edge of Massey Peabody rankings. Crunching all the numbers in a simulated system that break down the data analytically driven. Media coverage of sports gambling is pathetic. The Welcome to another episode of the Bet the Process podcast where rufus is contemplating skiing that's neat rufus where are you going to go skiing? you're going to come out to the west coast well i was just talking to to matt our guest matt david out about um wait this is like together out west to the future back in time then because we haven't done the david out interview yet so i'm so confused i'm i'm predicting that we're going to talk about it clearly okay well that's good you're good i'm I'm just i'm just about to uh, it's about that time of year when i move off away from the east coast out west Enjoy a little bit better weather, you know. Um, are you going to come to the Bay Area? You know that this is my birthday weekend. If you remember last I year, I do. I do remember very weekend. well. So if you come out on Saturday, you can come by the house and hang out. Um, Saturday of this this coming Saturday, this like in three days. Saturday, yeah. I'm I'm going to look at flights after after we finish podcasting. I got to figure out who's going to cook food for my dinner. Pick me. How- are you going to come and cater it? Because I called a caterer and they yeah, I, I've cooked twice in the last two years. My so. house, my house is done, so that's nice. It's done. Congratulations! There's, there's no, there's no actual landscaping yet, but it's done-ish. When are you? Are you back in it now? We are back in it. Yeah, that must be a relief because you. I mean, what? What yeah, was, it, was it? A year a, and a half? It was uh, longer. Yeah, Sixteen months out of that's, your house. It's like a. It's incredible so how disorienting being out of your house is. Um, we're, we're going to talk a little bit about this, but like, what did, it sounds like you watched a lot of NFL last week. What, what were your, what were your takeaways from it? You know, I didn't watch every game, but I, in fact, I didn't watch, I don't think any of the Saturday games, but I mean, my, my big takeaways were just how bad the Eagles and Cowboys looked, how good Green I, just, Bay looked. I was just, I was very disappointed with the quality of football or competition that we watched. Like, None of the games were good except for the Rams Detroit game. The, that was the only game. That was a good game, and, and, and it was a good game. And, and what's interesting about that game was, so I had the uh, I have Stafford and and Kyron Williams in my like playoff fantasy. So I was rooting very much for the Rams, and I felt generally cheated out by the idea that like uh, the the Rams ended up losing that game. Mostly, I feel like because McVay is still so conservative on fourth downs. I feel like he's got to go for one or two of those and not settle for field goals there. By the way, Jeff, you last week you recommended to me playing this playoff fantasy football. So I started a league with my with my regular season fantasy people. We had seven teams, just like you said. I went with your scoring system, although we added one more flex, and I'm in last place. Despite it's fun the fact though, right? That, Did you enjoy yeah, it? I, th- I thought I drafted like my top... Well, I took McCaffrey, I took Goff, I took Pacheco, and I took... Was McCaffrey um, the first pick? No, I took him with my first pick. Well, who was the first pick overall? You know what's funny is when I did that, I'd forgotten about the whole buy situation. I was thinking just ahead to like, okay, Super Bowl, right? Like the first pick overall was Lamar Jackson. Interesting. So I, I had the first pick in ours overall. And I took, and I Josh actually, Allen? Made a, I, well, I made a comment that I thought the first pick was bad this year because they're basically like three or four players that you could make a, a and I ended up taking McCaffrey. And the reason I took him is he's he is so much better than any other running back 
right? Obviously, the quarterbacks is super important. I, I, I think it was for me, it would have been between McCaffrey and Josh Allen. Yeah. So, but in ours, Maybe. McCaffrey was first, and then Purdy was second. Yeah. What was interesting, Jeff, though, is like, is yours winner take all? Yeah. Well, first and so second. It makes so much sense. You want variance. You want to essentially stack teams. I went yes. with. So I, I I basically went with, I mean, I wasn't able to get Mahomes because, but I, I have Pacheco and Rice from Kansas City. I basically went with a bunch of Baltimore wide receivers, late picks. I took I took Nelson Aguilar and Odell Beckham late picks. And then, and so I'm basically, I took Justin Tucker. Actually, I took CEH. Um, so Pacheco and CEH. And so I basically am very much like, okay, Kansas City and Baltimore are going to be okay for me. Yeah, so you need KC to win this week yeah what's funny is i'm in last place but i have like i basically got almost nobody knocked out right um just well tua and a chain this is probably a good time to mention our sponsor splash sports who sponsors this episode and can actually create these playoff games for you hey did you do do you want to talk about your one and done i have a really terrible story about my one and done let's do it did did you did you fail to get your no i didn't fail i I, jeff i I remembered i literally was like oh i gotta do this and i had four minutes until the deadline and i so i i got very very no i i I picked kurt kitayama and um you know felt pretty good about that and then went to go check the app and i didn't pick kurt kitayama i picked tanaya instead by accident so the that's racist i'm basically a racist because i Thought I had one Japanese guy, and I actually had a different Japanese guy by accident. Kiriyama's American, by the way. I just wanted to tell you that. But he's, uh, is he of Japanese descent? All I know is he's got the American flag next to his name. Okay. Anyways, Rufus, who did you have? So now I, I'm, so now I'm like really at a deficit, and I'm kind of bummed. I'm trying to check the standings right now, but I, I believe I had JT Poston, and he had that really good Sunday to finish. Like I think. Sixth, maybe. Who should the Amex? This is a pretty big, good field, huh? But not a lot of money in it. So, I'm t- Jeff, I'm tied for 287th. Yeah. I'm How not- many entries are there? That's the question. I got to be pretty low. I don't want to talk about it. It's a long season. It is. It I is think a long we, season. We're going to start a new one and done for uh, at the waste management. So, maybe we'll do our own one and done, is what they were saying. They might want us to sponsor, or we can convince them to give us some sort of an overlay one and done that we can put people into. Um, anyways, if you guys want to go see this, it's at splashsports.com. It's a cool app. And I'm like looking at who I should pick this week. Let's bring in Matt David out. And then we'll talk to you guys all again on the other side. We now welcome in one of our favorite guests, one of our good friends, Matthew David out to the bet the process podcast, Matt, welcome. Um, how is, how is life in the David out household? What's the newest personal thing food thing that's happened and anything great you've eaten it's been it's been really cold here so cold i'm not taking out my my christmas tree so it's been cold everywhere i guess though huh it's yeah. like 20 degrees in new york city right now yeah yeah it's been, it, was, it was like below freezing like below below zero fahrenheit here over the weekend it was it was nuts we literally are talking about the weather, guys. We've now <laughs> taken we've now taken bet the process to a whole new level level of mundane doldrums. Yeah, that was terrible. Glad um, you guys have me on. I think this thing really interesting. Yeah, we have you on to talk NFL. And <laughs> one of the things that I have been meaning to mention to Rufus. So when you think a lot about market moves in the NFL, what I've noticed this year is that most of the late market moves that I've seen can be largely explained by injury information. Is is do you guys find that much more that's the case than it's ever been, or am I just creating a narrative out of my own self fulfilling prophecy? I I think there's a lot less late late movement, but I I I don't know why, honestly. Maybe there's more people, more groups, et cetera, betting like more medium amounts earlier and that's that's like balancing the market for lack of a better term you know it also when we started a couple years ago and one of one of my big deck prism ideas was hey let's put up nfl lines two weeks ago and we did it for a few clients and nobody gave a shit like nobody bet clients didn't want it only time we ever got bad is if 
we messed up, there was an injury, et cetera. And now, you know, not only that, but as soon as the game was ending, like, you know, we were pushing to get lines up. And, and, and now it seems like everyone's doing that. It's like easy to find lines weeks ahead of time. Heck, I saw a fan who will put up college football lines for next year. So it's very possible that what's happening is just a shift overall to every, to the action happening earlier. So like maybe a move that you used to see on Sunday, you now see on Friday morning. Yeah. I mean, I guess for me, maybe what I'm saying is I've noticed this, this late, the only late moves that I see are largely explained by injury information or injury, you know, like injury uncertainty or injury uncertainty that's become certainty or whatnot. That's, because it used to be, and maybe we're saying the same thing, it used to be that I would look at moves on Sunday and have no idea why they're moving. And now I feel like I can largely explain it with injury information. Um, my theory is I agree with you is that the moves that used to happen on Sunday, i.e. I want to bet a million dollars on a game, so therefore I dump it in the market on Sunday, the line moves. Now that's maybe happening on Friday or or it's happening quieter. Maybe, you know, maybe. Do you think the market is less fragile the NFL market on game day now than it used to be. Can we sort of? You mean like overall? We get to that. Sorry. You mean like overall liquidity? Yeah, less fra. I mean, it's it's harder to move lines basically because we've had better price discovery, etc. I don't think so. I, I think it's just as easy to move lines. Just less people that are actually dumping the money in. On- maybe the maybe the betters are better. Like maybe the syndicates are better. Like I used to wonder why why the line would move so much. I was like, okay. So and so group is going to bet, you know, their million dollars in the Lions, and I'm like, okay, why do I know that? Like, they do better in the market if they didn't let me know, and maybe so that maybe they're doing better protecting that information. So therefore, they're getting down with with like less loudly. That would be that would be my my theory. I do think there's more more avenues to get down quietly now than perhaps there ever have been. Hmm. I think the market's bigger earlier. Is, is, yeah. I, I think we're saying the same thing. Yeah. Rufus, explain to me why that is. Is that just because legalization, everyone's like bearding and like there's just all sorts of opportunities for bearding? I think there's I think there's more people now sort of taking on that sort of spanky model of like top down and moving for people. And and so I think you have better organization among movers and more sort of like, I guess, dark pools, for lack of a better term, with people sort of cro- like crossing so that if people have different opinions that that information doesn't even get out into the market. So, you know, if I want, like, if, if I say I want the Ravens minus nine and a half and minus 110 and, and Matt's like, I'll take plus nine and a half plus 110, then, although he wouldn't do that, but, you know, if that were the case, then like I can get down my minus nine and a half minus 110 without it ever hitting the screen or anything like that. So. Yeah. I mean, if you look at, if you look at last week's games, like, there were, you know, Kansas City, Miami. I was definitely like waiting for that to move up. Like I thought Kansas City would take money and like it would move off the four and a half and it never did. I mean, Green Bay and Dallas stuck it. It moved down to seven and then just stuck there. Like Detroit, LA, same thing was three and a half, went to three, stuck there. Buffalo Pitt, after they announced it, went to 10 and just stuck there. And same with, you know, Philly, Tampa. So there was no late movement on any of these games. I mean, like segueing into this week, do you think we'll see the same thing this week where these lines will stay where they are? Or do you think there's any of them that you would anticipate that will move? I think all these lines are pretty, pretty good. So therefore, I mean, I, I, I don't know if there's any difference between now and over the years in the playoffs. So too, like I, I think the playoff lines tend to be fairly good. And I think they were, Good last week. That's why they didn't move much. I I, I would expect the same this weekend. So th- then this week you basically see very little value in any of these games, or guess you could say that. I mean, I'm a Jordan Love fan in general these days, but I mean, the 49ers are also obviously very you know very good. If they don't you know, if that one is off, it's not by much. I mean, from a standpoint, Rufus of like Massey Peabody, I know that you show some value in some of these games by Massey Peabody numbers, so. Do you have any thoughts there? I mean, we like the we like both the big favorites basically coming off the week of rest. I think that's you know Green Bay and Houston have I mean clearly played well and and Jordan Love looks really good. I agree, and it's interesting having read that article about their pa- quarterbacks coach. Um, what's his name? Tom Clements, and how he's really really helped Jordan Love, and how he helped Aaron Rodgers when at the beginning of his career, and and Kyler Murray as well. I mean, it's it it makes me think that like. 
the Jordan Love did have a lot of improving to do, but actually they, you know, he may be a very different quarterback now than he was uh, at the beginning of the season. Very yeah. different. The, the beginning of the season, their plays were open. He was just missing. And now it's gone completely the other way around that he's making some plays that aren't even open. Never I mean, if you think that. about it, like, I mean, footwork is, I feel like the fundamental basis for most sports. I mean, I played tennis growing up. I'm learning to play squash a little bit now. And it's, I mean, it's, it's footwork is everything. And if you get that, I mean, that's, I think that, I don't know, I'm, I'm not a expert or anything like that, but like still Massey Peabody makes that game minus 11 and a half for San Francisco. And we make the Ravens a 14 point favorite against Houston. So again, you know, caveat and poor. Can we, let's go through the games. And what I, what I would love to do is because obviously from a, let's say from an analytics perspective, let's say we say these lines we think are good, but let's basically try to create a, analytics-based narrative on where there may be value. And so let's take Baltimore-Houston, right? And ultimately, the narrative that you could say is that the season-long analytics on Houston are not capturing the continued improvement of a young team or a CJ Stroud, or is there any, is there like, what What would be the the prior that you would like basically change that would allow you to take a side on this game? Baltimore is healthier than they've been all year. I think Baltimore probably has more upside in this game versus their overall season data than, than I mean, I don't know, I'm strong there's two games. Maybe that's a tough comparison. Both teams are going to be a little bit better in this game. But Baltimore has had many injuries to key players, and my understanding is they're basically full strength for the playoffs. And they're deep to begin with. They had the best coaching this year, both 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 McDonald and, uh, and Munkin. I think, in my mind, I would give them the top offensive from an X's and O's standpoint, the top defensive from an X's and O's standpoint. So, I think that's been actually the biggest part of the success this year. Wow, that's that's pretty impressive to have that on both sides. I mean, Harbaugh so is hiring good coordinators like over and over and over again. He's been he, he's been fantastic. So, Rufus, do you think that the Massey Peabody numbers are because you don't you just can't get there with Stroud being a rookie quarterback or why 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 do you see five points of value essentially there which is a lot of value I mean we like Baltimore we've liked Baltimore like pretty much all year and we haven't really been anti-Houston or anything like that I mean we have their offenses being slightly below average but again yes I think part of it is the fact that they do have a rookie quarterback we have Stroud let's see we we still have Stroud ha- as having improved about a point and a half, um, actually zero or about one one point seven points uh, from the start of the season. So that's a pretty big improvement in season. And, from an and- analytical standpoint, too, Jeff, toward toward like the difference between they say the fourteen and a half and nine and a half. One thing you find when we model any sport is the hardest thing to do is to try to put two in this case, very different teams together and basically try to figure out what the median point spread is. So you've got like two things working. In other words, there doesn't have to be a ton of difference between the market's perception of both Houston and Baltimore's core strength and Massey Peabody's. And you could still end up with this like nine and a half to 14 and a half difference. I mean, one, if you look at it, if you look at it from a money line standpoint, it's not a huge money line percentage difference between, I mean, you go from like pick to five versus this nine and a half to 14 and a half. The team strengths are, are, are going to be cl- a lot closer in this situation to start with. And then you just have a, a lot more, I, I think probably error, particularly I me. Mean, I don't know a lot about Massey Peabody, but I'm expecting, assuming it's algorithmic. So you're going to have some level of error here, you know, because you're really, I mean, what you're really trying to judge is, okay, what is Houston's chance of scoring down, you know, 14, 15, 17 points in the fourth quarter. That's what this bet comes down to, right? It doesn't really come down to like which team is better. Everyone knows which team is better. It's it's about the the matchup of how the how the point spread is good is is, is going to relate to how the game plays out. I, I think that creates a lot of error and Massey PD bodies won a ton of money over a long period of time because it's a very solid core. But I would guess that the weakest spot would be like a larger spread like this. Yeah, that's a good point. And Mass and Massey Peabody did win a lot of money. Um years ago, but it's, I feel like the market is definitely caught up to it. And the fact that 
data has gotten so much better and we haven't really kind of uh, gotten into that whole player stuff level stuff. So. So then, okay, let's move on to San Francisco green Bay. I mean, then you're saying so, some, okay, Rufus, you have something. Well, I just want to, can we talk about like what happened to Philadelphia and Dallas last weekend? Once we're done with this, I just want to, yeah. I, I don't want to forget that. Why don't we talk about it now? We can listen. We this can... is, I, I want to say it's my, my, my second podcast of the year. My, my first podcast I was asked, which a question I wasn't, you know, like there's there were a lot of close teams of which team I actually thought was best or would be best by the playoffs. This was about mid season. And I said the Eagles. So, you know, Thank <laughs> it. <laughs> I mean, what what has happened to that team? Like, they're not that injured. It turned out that the players that they like, the, in my mind, the the biggest issue was that the defensive players that I thought still had a lot of upside midway through the season were absolutely terrible during the second half of the season. The defensive lineman, I mean, they benched Jalen Carter because he wouldn't do what they told him to do. Fletcher Cox was shadow of results. Help the two cornerbacks would like end up being like the two worst in the league, Bradbury and Slay. Like. I don't think they'll have jobs next year is how bad they were, those two. Right, and Slay They're, was like, I mean, and these these guys were like all pro cornerbacks at one point. Like a couple years ago, that's what I mean. You never know what happens with guys when they get older. These guys, and... But is it scheme? No. I mean, they lost their defensive coordinator to become the head coach in Arizona. Well, I think... And, and then and you had Matt work. Patricia, like, getting upgraded to defensive coordinator at the end of the year, and, you know... There had to be something internal we don't know about in that in that regard. I mean, everyone keeps throwing Matt Patricia out of the box, right? But the way I would look at this is, you know, like just no, I mean, like period, like down the line, it was like, how is I mean, he's offense quarter for the Patriots, he's defense quarter for Philadelphia. From my standpoint, is like, okay, here's this guy, he's not really a player, right? Like he's completely out of shape, so he's not like going to gain respect from players because he's like get on the field and play with them, right? And yet over – and he can't win. His teams never win, right? And yet over and over again, people with their entire careers on the line, their money on the line, their ego on the line, you know, Belichick, you know, the whole Detroit organization, you know, Belichick again. Uh, here we have Sirianni. Go to him. He has to be a good coach. Like, in, in, I mean, Rufus, me, and you both know how this can work at times. You could can, you can be a great, great at anything, and ball can bounce not your way for a long time. And, you know, people are like, oh, he – Hey Matt, you'd be a great head coach. I said, maybe, but what if my team ran back for the year that I got fired and never got another shot? So my gut is Matt Patricia is probably an awesome coach, or they wouldn't keep giving him these opportunities. He's probably been running pretty bad. Or he got the opportunities because he got that first opportunity with Bill Belichick, and they did well, or under Bill Belichick, or Bill Belichick's teams did well, and he's a white guy, so he keeps getting extra chances to fail. Bill Belichick hired him back as the offensive coordinator. But that's what he does. He hires he hires back the I mean, same I people. Think, I think that was a very much of a loyalty move. Yeah, and it was like a because like he that was the Joe Judge and like these guys that basically had kind of gotten fired and he gave him another chance. I mean, I think we all do that for our friends. Hmm. So it's not. Um, well, I mean, I, I did. I think I don't. I don't think you can dismiss the coordinator piece. Cause certainly like losing Shane Steichen, I think was, was important. I think probably losing Gannon was important. Um, I think it was really the, important. The the team Gannon's looked, been amazing in Arizona. Yeah. 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 And, and so like in Sirianni always like to me seemed like a little bit of a clown. So it seems like a little <laughs> bit of validating that like he had this like colossal failure down the stretch this year. Um, but if you go back to this whole idea of just that that Monday night game and obviously availability heuristic and recency bias, but the team looked like it had quit, right? And it looked very like the on defense, they weren't like that Bradbury tackle was insane. Like the I don't think that was quit. I think it was just terrible. I think they had terrible, terrible secondary players. Terrible. Like Reed Blankenship was by far their best player. And he's been out most of the second half of the season. He didn't play Monday night. He's the only guy that can make a tackle in the second year. I mean, Bradbury and Slay were like incredibly bad. Incredibly bad. So you can't put pressure on the quarterback. You're stuck in a lot of ways in a, in a, in a five defensive lineman scheme, right. Which is going to just naturally put all your pressure on your cornerbacks. And then you're literally your cornerbacks are like the two worst in the league. I think that's a lot of defensive explanation. The offense to me is more interesting because here you have this offensive line that dominated the first half of the year, all the same players. And I mean, on Monday night, they couldn't pick up a blitz. Literally they couldn't pick up a blitz. They kept like 
completely not blocking guys, right? And these are, I mean, Lane Johnson, Jason Kelsey, the five like veteran guys that really should know the gym. To me, you can't put that on the coach. You got to put that on the. Wait, there that, was no, sounds there was... like, that, that, that sounds like more than just talent, though. You have all these players that should be able to do these things, and they aren't anymore. Why? I mean, well, on, on offense, I, I mean, if you want to, one, I mean, if, if, if there's a spot in the team that, you know, quote unquote, quit, didn't put their preparation in, I would say maybe the offensive line. I mean, Kelsey knew he was retiring. Maybe he spent more time. I mean, I'm an awesome player. I'm not trying to badmouth him in any way, but. He's the quarterback of the offensive line, and they can't pick up a blitz. I, I don't think that's Sirianni's fault. That somehow has to fall on Kurtz and the the linemen, right? I mean, it was it was it was abysmal, and I had the exact same thought. I'm like, this is was arguably everyone said the best offensive line in football, and they can't give Jalen Hurts any time at all. Like, and and I mean, you you saw it all week, right? The teams that this is so basic. But the teams that lost and got blown out were teams that just couldn't protect their quarterback, right? Miami couldn't protect Tua. They the Cleveland largely couldn't protect Flacco. Like that's why they lost, right? And then the teams that won, right? Like, I mean, Houston was able to protect Stroud, right? Which is the thing that people thought would be the issue, right? That Cleveland would be able to get pressure and Stroud was throwing in a man to man and like they he would struggle and it just wasn't the case. He had time. So I think there might um, be a chicken egg situation though. Like, was it was it that going in it was predictable that Stroud would be protected in his key four plays and Flacco wouldn't in his key four? I don't think so. I think Browns ran bad, Houston ran good. You know, there's I mean, so many the Houston won lost one by a million points, right? But if Flacco gets another 10 yards on the ball on the, the throwaway, who knows? It could be a completely different game. I mean, literally he threw a pick six on a throwaway that was like, I mean, that was like the worst luck. It's first down for Cleveland at the Houston 35. He's got time to throw it away. He tries to throw it away. He manages to turn that into seven Houston points. I guess like the biggest possible swing on a play. And it was, it was definitely was a lock. Yeah. Right. Do we want to talk then about Dallas? I mean, is it, is it, was that Dallas bad or uh, Jordan love good was the, was the story from that game? Maybe, maybe, maybe LaFleur good. I mean, no, one thing people keep talking about is Dallas defense, and maybe it's easy now after they, you know, completely shift the bed in the playoffs. There's some really good players, but if, if you look from an analytical point of view at their their core team defensive numbers this year, they weren't that good, especially considering the talent level, considering how well Bland played, how well obviously Michael Parsons played, and a few, a few more of the guys. Kind of amazing how they weren't better. And I mean, everyone's trying to hire. Uh, who's this Quinn, right? I, I get the I get him and uh, yeah, Gus Bradley confused. These old school four three guys that that I think are super overrated, super overrated. And I think uh, there was a there was a ton of plays where Dallas slanted right and the Packers ran left. Dallas, you know, the, the tight end play that was wide open, for instance. I mean, the Packers had the right play call like every time. A, a couple of those were Jordan Love line of scrimmage, but that's still coaching, right? That's still in a way, Dallas either tipping their hand or doing something that let Green Bay know what type of defensive call it was. And Green Bay just got the right call over and over and over again. And honestly, I've seen that in a number of games this year against Dallas. And I, I think that might be a big reason that, that Dallas might have a lot of upside next year if they completely can't their coaching staff and keep their players. They keep Schottenheimer. I like Schottenheimer. Rufus, anything on the Dallas situation you want to talk about it? I mean, it's interesting because they shifted their whole offensive philosophy between seasons. They had an offense last year that was performed well, but they were scoring too quickly. And, you know, there's too much time. Like, that's literally what they said, right? They wanted to be a, play a more physical brand of football and, like, slow the game down a little bit. And and they their offense, like, at least judging by the numbers this year, like, was good. It was very good, but you know, the Cowboys cowboyed again. And it felt, it felt like they were a team that, I mean, they, they got blown out a number of times during the season. They would mm-hmm. beat the bad teams, but they, then they had some games. Where they just got absolutely destroyed. Like they got destroyed by the Niners. Um, They lost, did they lose early in the year to, to Arizona, I think too. Yeah. Or maybe they, they it was just Arizona. a close. Okay. I mean, they yeah. lost to Arizona, so, but the same thing they were, I mean, that was like, they got so unlucky. They like barely got stopped. They, they threw, they threw like three red zone interceptions. Right. But I don't know. I mean, it, the, it, it was an, it was interesting just that they had this philosophical shift and people sort of deemed it a success. But like, are we 
are we sort of wrong to look at one game and, and make it this big thing? Maybe. I mean, I don't know. Well, I mean, you're, isn't, you, isn't your point, Rufus, that like these teams are not as good as we make them out to be on any given Sunday kind of thing. And like, ultimately I think, I think Matt, your point is, and like, it's the theme that you have, which is like, there's just these highly leveraged plays that, you know, in that situation, LaFleur had the right play call all the time. And those like highly leveraged plays are the ones that dictate football. I, I was listening to a, a podcast this morning where Daryl Morey was on, and he was just talking about how basketball is like this perfect analytical game to solve. And football is like this impossible game to solve because the data and the sample size, et cetera. And, and, you know, like it was, it was an interesting juxtaposition. But the other thing with the Cowboys though, was I think we saw it and, and to, to Matt's point about coaching and the fact that Dan Quinn clearly got out coached there. Like they've had games where they, they they were clearly out coached this year. It's like when they're when they've had the right game plan for the opponent and they've anticipated what was going to happen, they've been very, very good. When they haven't, they've been very, very bad. And so so they had such a like wide range of outcomes in games in terms of just like even adjusting for opponent of you know their their game grades, any given Sunday like applies to the Cowboys a, a little bit more, maybe. At least that's what we saw this season. I think one a lot of his narrative, but then if 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 there was one narrative that I would like stamp on the Cowboys defense this year, it's that if they played a team that had any reasonable protection answers in the passing game, those teams had success. And when they played teams that had no protection answers, they they, they literally went before. I mean, if you look at these games like the Jets or the Giants that just had no answers from a quarterback offensive line coaching perspective in order to run a NFL pass play against them, then those teams get zero yards, but then you had other teams, you know, Buffalo, uh, you know, Miami, Green Bay in this game, I'm sure there were a handful of others that had some version of a protection answer on offense, and they, they had success against them. Maybe if, you, if, if I had to pick a narrative, it might be that. All right. Let's move on to this week's games, the rest of them. We got Niners versus uh, the Packers. And if you go back to what you're saying, is this this probability that Jordan Love comes in through the back door? And if we're Jordan Love lovers, uh, see what I did there. Mm-hmm. And Jordan lovers. The chance the chance of them coming through the back door is is pretty high. So do we like Green Bay here, or what do we think? Maybe, but hasn't Green Bay's strength hasn't been in like a curry up chuck it type situation? It's been in getting the it's getting in precise play calls on all downs, you know, even maybe particularly early downs and early in the game. I mean, where, where they've been dynamite over the six or seven game stretch too is actually in, in how well their offense is done while leading the games, which obviously they're unlikely to do here. And then it's a question, you know, will they, you know, change any of their philosophy? If you go back, even some of the games where they were trailing during the streak where they played well, say the giants, for instance, they, they struggled some on those, on those trailing drives on those, when they weren't able to use, you know, 35 seconds of the play clock to get, you know, just the, the right play in, 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 the, in the right situation. I would actually argue maybe if you're Green Bay, if you want Green Bay, the better place to play or, you know, money line variants, you know, they're going to play better to lead than most dogs will and or first half. And if you're going to play San Francisco, you know, play the, maybe play the full game spread. Or, you know, you keep an eye on that game because like 49ers tend to be front running also, right? Like they're, if they get down, mm-hmm. then there's like a big, Obviously, like money line opportunity, you'll still be able yeah. to get great point reasonable. Like if they get down a touchdown, there's probably you'll still be able to get a reasonable price on on Green Bay early, right? You'll still probably get plus money even if they're down a touchdown, right? You could construct some sort of same game parlay off of that narrative too, or like they have like the. I mean, this is a prop that's been around for a long time, um, but like the double outcome stuff, you know, both the mm. team to score first and win, great and then idea. team to win the first half and win the full game, stuff like that. Also Which are all algor- algorithmically priced. And if you think that these teams both are better front running than the average team and not as good coming from behind, then, you know, maybe there's something that's not being baked into that, um, into the, the book's pricing. And these are the type of things that did, I think used to be not priced in and maybe are now, but like Green Bay, Green Bay won the toss and took the ball over Dallas. I would expect them to do the same if they're I, I would expect Green Bay to start this game with the ball and we'll kind of look at the market now. All, I, I'd also expect it to be priced in. It's ish. You know, maybe maybe if you're a Green Bay guy, first half is uh 
is where the play. I'm sure Shanahan's going to uh, defer. Uh, another interesting narrative in this game is that both these offenses are very similar. Remember, LaFleur is a Shanahan guy. They both run very – I mean, it's it's zone blocking, bootlegs, backsides. You know, a lot of uh, – both both teams do a, do a fantastic job taking advantage vertically into a, into a flooded zone. This is like a core concept of both systems. Does that make the defenses better prepared? Does that mean that Shanahan LaFleur is a hint, hint, if I were facing my defense, I'd do X, Y, Z? Maybe? That was going to be my question. It's like military academies, right? When they mm-hmm. face off, like they practice against the triple option all the time. They've seen it. It's familiar. The defenses tend to to do way better than you'd expect. Yeah, now the, the, the difference between the – I mean, I completely obviously – agree across the board but the big but is i do think the op, the the military academy options especially the old ones where they could cut block it was so foreign to the rest of the teams now every team's got semblances of this in their system i mean houston system is very similar to these systems too for for instance i i don't i don't think this is anywhere near as foreign to the rest of the league and the defenses in the NFL were not practicing against these offenses, right? I mean, you go to a college situation, and yeah, they're playing, you know, half the time in the spring, like against themselves. That's not how the NFL works. They have hugely intricate scout teams every week just running the opponent stuff. They're not actually practicing against their own defenses. So if I had – my gut is it's probably, probably way over one. So – Interesting. I mean, if that were the case, Rufus, you would lean to the under, which is 50 and a half. Uh, all right, let's move on to Detroit, Tampa. Detroit is a six and a half point favorite here. Rufus, I would assume your numbers because you love Tampa and you don't love Detroit like Tampa a little bit. Yeah, they do. I make it like three and a half. What is our prior that if it's untrue that we would like one side or the other like is tampa i mean the the narrative on tampa since they've been playing better is that they've been the healthiest they've been all year they certainly look very good against philly i mean we could we're giving so much crap to philly but we haven't really given a lot of credit to to tampa and and mayfield honestly well was was so good like he was he he threw a lot of passes that were dropped and could have had 400 yards in that game easily well, you could have had 400 yards in that game, Jeff. I mean, the guys were wide open on every play. I mean, the one early touchdown play, literally the Philadelphia guys ran into each other crossing the field. The Philadelphia the Philadelphia defensive backs can't guard anybody, nor can they tackle anybody after they catch it. That was just – And right they were running face. into each other. So that was – that's you had Yeah. That. Now, and, now the Detroit the, – the over – Aaron Glenn's overall defensive strategy on defense – is very similar to what the Eagles are running. They're very they want to play five down linemen early down to so take away the run. They want to play they want to play single high every chance they get. And it's it's interesting. Everyone's trying to give Eric Glenn a job. I think Detroit would be better off without him. Eric Glenn would get a head coaching job, but whoever Detroit places him with will be better. It's definitely possible Tampa could have similar play action to success against Detroit. So do we lean a little bit towards Tampa here? I, I actually kind of like Tampa here just because of Rufus's numbers. And also I feel like there's just, you know, there's, there's, there's more of a chance that Detroit in my mind suffer, suffers a letdown than Tampa mm. does, right? Like you have this whole Detroit getting over the Stafford, yeah. getting over first win, all that kind of stuff. And also just the relief of not playing Dallas, right? Like ultimately, like they, you know, they've said shit like, oh, we wanted to play Dallas, even if it meant going in there, we wanted a chance at them. But like, there's got to be a sense of letdown of playing Tampa here instead of Dallas to some degree. I mean, I mean I, NFL I'll, I'll bet, I'll bet you're right. I didn't think about it, but I'll bet if you were in, if you were in, you know, both team facilities on a Tuesday or Wednesday, sure it sounds like the Lions just won their Super Bowl and, you know, okay, Tampa's playing another game. You know, they, they, I would definitely think there could be a, a slight bit more preparation preparation on the Tampa side, you know, down the, you know, 53, then Detroit. It's, it's, I, I didn't really think. About do you, what do you point. think of, what do you think of Bowles as a coach? Not, I'm, I'm not a f- big fan in general. I mean, there's so many different parts of coaching and currently Bowles is a head coach and the head coach is, in my opinion, the biggest job of the head coach is to hire good assistants and put them in position to succeed. Then your second biggest part is to like keep the team together and motivated and keep people from saying dumb shit and 
getting, you know, sidetracked and stuff like that, right? So maybe he hasn't done bad on that front. I mean, offensive coordinator, now that they let him hire whoever he wants, is, you know, very good. I think they're, they've actually outperformed their talent on defense this year. They don't have a lot of talent outside of Winfield, and they've been average-ish. So maybe he's not as bad of a coach as we do. I mean, I think Tomlin's like the best coach in the league. And meanwhile, he's obviously his game management is terrible. And I wouldn't hire him to run my offense or my defense. But that's not the job, right? The job is being a CEO, yeah. being a leader. Oh, yeah, that's the motivation part. Because it's not in, but, you know, I'm, I'm a Matt Canada guy. So I actually think he did pretty good. He's done good over the years with his coaches too. But he also let them fire him. So who knows? I don't, there, there has to be more to that whole story. All right, and then finally, Buffalo minus the two and a half, juice at minus one twenty against Kansas City. Game we've seen before. Rufus, your numbers, I think, like Buffalo a little bit here, right? Yeah, minus three point six. Buffalo, it feels like they're the opposite of last season, where they were kind of stumbling going into the playoffs and weren't super healthy. And this year, like they started slow, like or the, at least that was the perception because they started six and six. But despite that six and six, they had like the second best point differential in football. And, you know, now they've actually won games. And so, um, I, yeah, I, I think they're, they're a better team than Kansas city and it, that should, that should be a fun game to watch though. Yeah. I think that line might go up a little bit. I, I think the two days of rest difference is playing a large factor in the market. How much is worth? I don't know, but I, I think that the eight versus six days here is, is, is definitely, is definitely playing a role. I mean, talk about a coaching job in Buffalo. So, I mean, they, there's so many – everyone's talking about the injuries now, right? Meanwhile, the guys that got hurt last week are basically like the replacements for all the guys that got hurt, like, originally. There's so many injuries on defense this year between the coaching and the the GM. I mean, they got Rasul Douglas. They bring him in. He's been fantastic. I bet, I bet Green Bay wishes they still had him this weekend. Maybe there might have been a reason they got rid of him. But uh, but they, they've had a number of players. The, the, was it Dotson, the linebacker that came out of nowhere that's been fantastic? just play play awesome and the coaching is so good they're just i mean they, they crushed the steelers with coaching like literally the steelers were like somehow expecting buffalo to like not stop the run like they tend to do and buffalo just walked down nine people in the box every time what was the steelers answer oh we'll, we'll just run anyway yeah that'll work in the nfl like so you know it's 21 nothing the game that Pittsburgh should have really been in based on everything that happened once they decided to give up three possessions i mean if you rudolph did not look very good or comfortable the whole game or at least in the first half, I, I kind of, I didn't really watch much of the second half to be, to be frank. But. I think it's a matter of expectation. Rudolph's just not very good. And right. I mean, coaches you, you, you aren't saw he would like lock in team. on his first target. Like there were some plays where he looked oh, one place and him. then there was nothing there and he threw it away. Basically, He's a first. That's, that's him. Right. He's going to throw to his first target or he's going to like Ben Roethlisberger and check it down. There's, there's no, there's no progressions with Rudolph. The, would you have gone to Kenny Pickett during that game if you were the Steelers at some point? I mean, when it, when I, it was clear that I, I, yeah. I would have not had Mason Rudolph on my roster, which would have not allowed me to play him to start with. Now, I do readily admit they had the best numbers with Rudolph. He threw. Well, now, but then, wait, but, threw, wait, can we say those they had the best numbers without Matt Canada? Can we also just say that? There isn't well, much of a sample size. There's not much of a sample size with Pickett without Matt Canada. In fact, in his small sample without Matt Canada, he played quite well. Well, that must have been a tiny sample. Well, yeah, it was like one game. game and like, a half. Right, and then Rudolph was the rest of it. I'm a huge Matt Hanna fan, and I'm going to defend him to the. <laughs> can, we, can, can you can you tell us why? Because I, I, over the course of 15 years, I've watched him out for both the data, the analytics, and what I personally see on the field outperform what his players should ever perform based on the talent levels of the offense in different ways he was the first to the, the this this the speed the speed motion you know handoff jet sweep thing was his that i mean that was that was his big like you know the one that he was ahead of everybody on for a while so you're talking mostly about in college well that was in college but i don't think the answer that different right i mean because he's only been in the nfl for a few years yeah i thought he was a terrific hire by tomlin and i mean their players have been so bad i mean it's such a bad offensive line kitty pickett sucks the receiver, Sucker Johnson, was hurt the half, first half of the year. So what the hell do you want Matt Canada to do? They can't block. Najee Harris wants to you know, play ballerina every time he gets the ball. Tomlin's insisting Matt Canada play Najee Harris instead of Jalen Warren. That's another difference that happened with Canada. If it wasn't Canada's choice to play Najee Harris, it was Tomlin's because that's their you know number one you know pick, their big horse. That's what Tomlin wants. He was the big back. There. So I don't know. I think Matt Canada had no chance to succeed and then was an easy scapegoat. And then they – 
Also, Pickett was really bad at the first read. Mason Rudolph has made some good throws to first reads. I mean, he's been okay in spots. The biggest difference is getting the ball to Warren more. Deontay Johnson, who's actual probably only player on the whole Steelers that would like start on most teams in the league, being back. Fryermuth being back, another reasonable player. I'm going with the players, not the coaches. Okay. Rufus, you're being pretty harsh on Mason Rudolph in that game. I, I would say like they got out to a 21 nothing deficit because of a pick and fumble. And then honestly, like the end zone interception that Rudolph threw was not that bad a pass. It was actually a really good play by the. By what do you the mean it wasn't that bad it a pass? It literally pass. hit, it, it, hit the, it hit okay, the quarterback defense, was like, wait, what just it. hit me I, I in the stomach? Out of the room literally, at the bathroom it hit him and I came in back the and they said it was a, wasn't a bad pass. Rudolph doesn't hit him have in the stomach. NFL arm talent and that, that, that play. He wasn't open. He, he was already center. predetermined where he was going with the throw. He only th- he threw and it he there probably to... could have he could have completed that pass if he had thrown a good throw. Fine. It, was it literally terrible. Hit the terrible. defender in the yeah. stomach, and he was like, "Oh, I have a ball in my arms now." Like it, well, it, it late it, you can see guy. you can see the look of well, surprise when it hits him. All right, I got a bad report while I was coming back from the bathroom. Apparently, um, did, okay. Did James give you this report? No, Brian Mead did. Um, okay. Anyways, so okay. That's what we got this week, Matt. Thanks for joining us. You're welcome. On that thanks note, well, let's get you on again, and we'll do our Super Bowl props contest again that we did last year. Oh, that was, that was fun. Yeah, let's yeah. do that. Let's do that again. That was fun for charity. So, um, all right, Matt. Thanks for joining us. We'll talk to you soon. Thanks, Jeff. Thanks, Rufus. I'll get off and let you all talk now. So that was our interview with Matt David Ow. Anything interesting from that interview? I, I love how much he always knows about like schemes and coordinators and things of that like did it did did you come out of that let's just say you were a degenerate and wanted to have action on all four games this weekend what would you what did you come out thinking that you would bet in those four games and i i have my answer i have some ideas if i was based on that i think the green bay well some sort of same game parlay with for the green bay game that that is correlated to the team that gets out to an early lead in essence, um, winning that game. One thing that did surprise me that he said though, was just that with the Eagles, it was all talent and not coaching yet with, with other teams like, you know, Pittsburgh, uh, it was coaching and. Whereas well, even smart analytics, people are prone to their own narratives, right? Right. I, I just don't see how with the Eagles, the reason for their collapse can't be somewhat like coaching or the team giving up or something like that. Like, cause it just, I, I just don't see that, but Matt is a lot smarter than I am. He's a lot smarter than all of us. Uh, so that you would do that. What are the other things? Would you do anything else? Mm, I don't know. What would you do? Well, I, I like Baltimore. I think Baltimore is like a, uh, you know, you got five points of value in Massey Peabody. You got, a you know team that like has had two basically must win must win games in a row that now has to go you know to a pretty hostile environment with a rookie that's had pretty bad home road splits for whatever that means you have the narrative that or the reality that Baltimore's more healthy than they've been the rest etc so you know is there a world where Baltimore scores on almost every one of their opening drives and gets out to a big lead and then just get to pressure CJ and CJ makes some mistakes. Yeah, that's, I can see that. I, I like the Niners, although I, I do think like the back door being open is, is worrisome. Although Matt's idea that if they're playing in a hurry up situation, they're not quite as good that maybe there's something there, but, but, you know, you, you have this, these two situations where maybe these offenses are more similar and more even than people realize because, you know, you have, you have younger players on green Bay, but good skill position players for sure. Like Aaron Jones is good. And these receivers are good and young. Um, and Jordan love looks really good. And then, um, you know, like Jordan young, young is Jordan love is, is more of a veteran than Brock Purdy. Right. <laughs> well, that's true. Yeah. And then, uh, and then I actually do like, I like, um, I like Tampa. I mean, I think Tampa plus the I like six Tampa and a half too. for for all everything we've talked about. And then I think I'm going to end up taking Buffalo probably or liking Buffalo with the two and a half. I think, 
you know, Kansas city has struggled a lot this year. And, and, you know, the, the narrative is maybe they, they found it offensively and maybe they're going to be able to turn it on. And I was thinking to myself, like, how could you ever bet against Mahomes when I was thinking about like that Miami game, like Mahomes is until proven otherwise Mahomes is, is amazing, but Josh Allen is amazing also. And, you know, like there's still the skill position problem for Kansas city that hasn't necessarily been solved yet. So yeah, I'd probably take Buffalo there. What about you? You already asked me. No, but you didn't have any thoughts on any other team. I agree. I like Baltimore. Um, I agree. I like Tampa Bay. I think probably nothing in the other games though. At Got least. Full, well, you're going to do a same, up. you're going to do some kind of same game parlay in the, in the Niners game, right? I'm going to, I'm going to look for some derivative value there. Yeah. Okay. What's your pick of the week then? Baltimore minus nine and a half. I'm going to take Tampa plus six and a half. So, and then do you know who you're going to use as your one and done in the I don't slash yet. sports? Uh, I can't give that away. That's valuable yeah. information because I'm t- tied for 287th, Jeff. I'm, and my golfers have made $621,000 so far. I'm going to take JT. Justin Thomas or JT Poston? Justin Thomas. Okay. Make sure you don't accidentally click another like like Jordan Spieth. Another, another white, white another white golfer that seems like yeah. like JT. Yeah, uh, but like he's from a different country, but he looks white too. Like some like from, Alex Noren. Someone from Europe. Exactly. Um, isn't Alex Noren the CEO of Sport Trade? No. He's Swedish. Okay. All right. Well, but thanks the for the CEO of Sport Trade is also named Alex. Yeah. So you got that right. I know. It was a joke. I know. Um, all right. Well, thanks for listening, guys. We'll talk to you guys all again next week. Crunching all the numbers in a simulated system to break down the data analytically driven. Media coverage of sports gambling is pathetic. The bottom line is watered down. It seems like they don't get it. Public- As I mentioned, this episode was brought to you by Splash Sports. You must be 21 years of age or older in Massachusetts, Iowa, Arizona, and Louisiana. 19 years of age or older in Alabama or 18 years of age of older in other states to enter into a paid fantasy contest. Yeah. Rapping Rockers. Jeff Ma. Rufus Peabody. Crunching all the numbers. Massey Peabody rankings. We're looking for the edge. Analytically driven. Crunching all the numbers. 